As we go to open God's word together, let's ask him to bless it to us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So we open our mouths and pant because we long for your commandments and ask that you would turn to us and be gracious to us as is your way with those who love your name. Make your face shine upon your servants and teach us your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find that on most Pew Bibles on page 678 between the books of Psalms and Ecclesiastes. And we've been considering a series through the book of Proverbs, and we've come to Proverbs chapter 10. Uh, verse 6. I put in the bulletin that we go through verse 16, but I think that's going to be a little, that was going to be a little too much. So um, we're just going to read through verse 14. And yes, you can preach a lot on two verses, I found when I went to write my notes. So um, I think cutting that down will help us. So he, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, beginning our reading at verse 6 and reading through verse 14. And let's pay careful attention for this is God's own word. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble. And a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge. But the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Uh, We want to think this morning about words and wisdom. Uh, We all probably know the words that Jesus spoke in Luke 6.45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. Um, One of the things that Jesus taught there that Proverbs teaches here is that what we communicate says something about our character. Our character comes out in how we communicate. And this this section of Proverbs is all about communication. Um, It's all about the various ways that we we use words, that we use communication, um, and that that communication reveals something about our character. Uh, This is a section of Proverbs, as we said, where wisdom is being taught to us by way of contrast. The things that are good and right and the things that are not good. And using that foundation of wisdom that we've laid to say it's from that foundation of wisdom that you've invested in that a righteous life is lived and that that righteous character is seen in how we communicate or you've not laid the foundation of of wisdom, you've ignored it and out of folly you produce wickedness. Um, And of course, the the implicit plea of Proverbs is always, be wise, be righteous, 
um, and turn away from folly and wickedness. We want to think about that, about particularly in the ways that we communicate. And again, how that communication says something about our character. We see that contrast being offered here in this, in this section. Um, how character is communicated and the consequences. Um, the consequences first for your character personally, and then secondly, the consequences for your character in community. Um, we see the, the personal uh, reflection of communication, and then we see the community, how you're received in the community and how the community regards you. And that's how we want to think about Proverbs here. What does my life communicate to the world around me? Uh, Proverbs teaches us it communicates something about your character personally and communicates your character in community. And that's how we want to think, just those two points this morning. Uh, Verses 6 through 9 are really about your character personally. Um, This section holds together. Um, Verses 6 and 7 are of a pair. Verses 8 and 9 are of a pair. And they're helping us to teach things about the blessings first of the righteous life. Um, I think it'll help us to kind of, I know it's being taught in contrast, but maybe to pull some of these contrasts apart and look at them as wholes before we contrast them to one another. But the first thing we want to look at is the blessing of the righteous life. That's the first thing that confronts us in this passage, the blessings that come down on the head of the righteous. Um, Those blessings that are coming down on the head of the righteous, they're coming down on the head of the righteous from other people. That's what it means that these blessings are coming down. Um, that's what pastors are doing in a sense when they, when they are pronouncing God's blessing over you. They're putting it down on your heads. Um, and that's what these blessings are that greet us here at the beginning of verse 6. Other people are blessing you. They're blessing the righteous among them. Um, That word of blessing that speaks of the totality of blessing. Um, That that word of blessing that was pronounced, that was meant to communicate everything good. Uh, One commentator said it denotes filling a person with the potency to reproduce life, to produce wealth, to overcome enemies. It's this total blessing that's being pronounced. And we recognize that as being only the kind of blessing that the Lord can provide. It's a way of putting blessing down upon people's heads of saying, may the Lord bless you and give you everything that his covenant promises you. Um, It's it's a glorious kind of blessing that we are thinking of. And what the picture here is of someone who is such a blessing that they receive blessing. Um, They are a blessing and that's why blessings are always coming down on their heads from people uh, because they are such a blessing. Um, It's a wonderful thing to think of that. Uh, Maybe our minds can go to Boaz when he's first introduced in the book of Ruth. Um, He's already called a worthy man. We know that of him before we meet him. But what is the first picture we have of Boaz as we meet him in the book of Ruth? In Ruth chapter 2 verse 4 we read, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Right, the first picture we have of him is he sees his workers and what does he say to them? The Lord bless you. And what is their word back to him? The Lord bless you. Right, he's a blessing. He's a worthy man. And he's a blessing to people throughout that book. You can see why blessings would come down on the, ha- on the head of someone like that. 
He's blessed because he is a blessing. And the blessings here mean to show the the quality and the quantity of blessing that is being pronounced on the life of the righteous. They are a blessing and so they are blessed. They are constantly receiving this blessing of the community. Um, And it's not just in their lives that blessings are coming down on them. They, They come down on them from the community, from others, but they come down in perpetuity. What does verse 7 tell us about the name of the righteous in perpetuity? The memory of the righteous is a blessing. Um, Even as they are remembered, after they are off the scene, they are remembered with a blessing. Sometimes we do that, don't we? People who have been a, a righteous influence in our lives, people who are blessings to us, we still remember them. And maybe we still remember them even after they are gone. Even after the Lord calls them home, we still remember them for the blessing they were to us. The memory of them. Um, here, it's the, it's the word for remembrance. The, the remembrance of them. And, and how are they remembered? Well, who they were is proclaimed. That's really what it means to be remembered. That's what it means when Psalm 112.6 says, The righteous will be remembered forever. Uh, their lives are proclaimed to others. And when their lives are proclaimed, when their blessed memory is recounted, uh, what are people doing? Uh, They're remembering them. They're retaining and reviving impressions of them and proclaiming that to others. Their name continues to live. Right? They, as Hebrews puts it, they speak even though they're dead. That's what's so glorious about Hebrews 11 as it recounts all these lives of faith. um, That even though they're gone, they still tell us something. They still proclaim a blessed memory. We do that every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We say we do this in remembrance of Him. And what are we doing? How do we remember the Lord in the Lord's Supper? We proclaim His death until He comes. We're proclaiming what he does. Now it's a means of grace to him, to, from him to us. But in that we are also proclaiming his death until he comes. We are proclaiming the work that Jesus did at his cross. We are proclaiming the work that he's doing now by communing with us at his table. We're proclaiming what he will do because we're proclaiming his death until he comes. Um, the blessed memory of his sacrifice until the living Lord comes again in glory. To remember is to proclaim. And that's the blessing of the righteous. Blessings are not just pronounced on them while they live. They remain a blessing after they're gone. They're remembered in blessing. Uh, Those blessings are still remembered. That's the wonderful character of the righteous. Uh, They are blessed because they are a blessing and they're remembered and proclaimed in blessing forever. Uh, There's a glory to that. And we want to ask the question, where does that kind of life come from? Right? We we want to be a blessing to our community. Um, Which one of us wouldn't want a blessed name that is remembered as a person that was a blessing to others? Um, Where does that kind of life come from? Well, that's what verses 8 and 9 tell us. 
Why, do these, why have these people lived such lives? Why have they exhibited such righteousness? It's the product of wisdom. It's wisdom that led to all of this. Because verse 8 reminds us, the wise of heart will receive commandments. The people who had sense, they had the humility to listen and be taught. To not think they knew everything, but to recognize how much they needed to learn. That requires a certain amount of humility, right? You can't teach someone who's prideful about how much they know. Because they say, I already know that. But it takes humility to say, I have a lot to learn. I'm going to listen. And what have the wise done? They've, they've done that. They've learned. They've listened. They've received the commandments of God. And because they've listened and because they've learned them, they also then walk forward living them. That's what verse 9 tells us. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Here are people who've listened and learned. They've taken the commandments of God. And they've walked in integrity. They've listened and so they've lived. They've lived the commandments of God. They've walked in blamelessness is another way of translating that word integrity. And when that, when that word is used, it doesn't mean sinless perfection as Jesus lived. Only he could live that kind of blamelessness. But what it means is a blameless life, that someone is known as a righteous person. Right? Joseph um, was Jesus' father, according, you know, not to descent, but to the world. Jesus' father, what's their introduction to him? He was a righteous man. Uh, James is remembered as James the just, the righteous one. That, that means they were known for their integrity. They were known for walking according to the commands of God. That's what it means when David walks in blamelessness. Not sinless perfection, but it's the commandment-keeping life that typifies his life. These are people who have learned and listened, and they walk in integrity. And because they walk in integrity, what does the verse tell us? Verse 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Proverbs has said there's a path that leads to life. There's one path that leads to life. The righteous person, the wise person, is the one who's found it and who walks it. And who, because they walk it, know it will lead to life. This is the portrait being painted, you see, of how Wisdom builds righteousness. How the righteous life is really a product of wisdom, and that wisdom is seen in how the righteous lives. And when the righteous lives according to that wisdom, they are a blessing. They are a blessing now, and they are a blessing in perpetuity. How different from the picture painted of the wicked. Um, Again, Proverbs is teaching us wisdom in contrast 
in this section. So it goes back and forth. And sometimes when you just go one statement, the other statement, one statement, the other statement. I um, hope I'm not making you seasick doing that. But you can almost feel like that reading it. Now, I'm okay, I'm seeing the contrast, but how is this playing out? Some, I hope taking them all together can maybe help see how the contrast is being knit together for us. That's the portrait of the blessed. What's the portrait of the wicked? They experience the consequences of their wicked character. Uh, verses 6 through 9 paint a very different picture of the wicked. Uh, Far from being a blessing to the community, the wicked are always a curse. The wicked are always a curse. The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Another way of saying that is their mouth is completely covered over with violence. The way water covers over the sea. Um, There's nothing but violence in what they say. There's nothing but cursing in what they say. There's no place in their mouth for anything else but this violence. And just as the Lord confirmed the blessing of the blessing that's spoken over the righteous person, so the justice of the Lord will intervene with the curses of the wicked. These people of violence, what is the guarantee? The violence they spoke out against the community will boomerang back on them. And they are nothing but a curse because of the kinds of things that are in their mouths. Um, One of the best and most sobering picture of the kind of attitude of the wicked is painted for us in Psalm 109. When the righteous man recounts the accusations of the wicked against him and lays them out before the Lord and says, Lord, this is what the wicked are saying of the righteous. I'll just read a few verses of that from Psalm 109. This is, the, this is what's in the mouth of the wicked towards the righteous. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. It goes on for another four verses. But that's enough, right? That's enough to see the kind of thing that's in the mouth of the wicked. Um, They're a blight on the community. Someone who who thinks this way and acts this way towards others. They're a blight on the community. And what what can the righteous do in the face of this? What does the righteous man do in Psalm 109 after this curse has been spewed forth? This is his prayer. In verse 20, may this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord. Who speak evil against my life. What is the prayer? Turn all that back on their own heads. May they receive what they wished on others. 
And that's what the justice of the Lord does. He causes people like this to have their language just boomerang back on them. Other places where they get caught in the net they lay, right? This is the language. This is what awaits the wicked. And this is the promise of this passage as well. Um, The name of the wicked will rot. Verse 7 says, what was their wish? I want, them, I want the righteous blotted out from the world. I want them remembered no more. But what does the Lord and his justice do to the wicked? It's their name that will rot. The, blessing of the, the blessed memory of God's people will be held up for perpetuity, but the wicked's name will rot away into oblivion, verse 7 tells us. That's what awaits the wicked. And when we see the wickedness of the wicked in Proverbs, we should, we should always be tempted to ask, how did it come to this? When we saw people who were always looking to take advantage by violence, we were prompted to ask, how does it come to this? Well, it comes to this because they never learned wisdom. They never laid that foundation. Verses 8 and 9 tell it. They knew too much to listen to wisdom. They were too busy talking. Right? The wise of heart were receiving commandments in verse 8 while the fools babbled away. Right? There's always someone who knows, who doesn't need to listen. They're babbling away. Um, you know, the guy at the end of the bar who knows the answer to every question, whether you asked him or not. Um, babbling away about how he knows everything about everything. And what's the problem? Well, if you're sitting there babbling and you already know everything, you're not listening when people are trying to teach you. Um, They never received wisdom. They never listened when people tried to teach them. They were constantly babbling on, prattling on about what they knew and their own foolish opinions and what will happen to them. It'll come to ruin. They'll come to ruin because they never listened. And they never learned the fear of the Lord. And so they don't walk in integrity. They wander into every path, every crooked and perverse twisting path in the world. Whereas the righteous walk the way, the fool will follow any crooked or twisted way. He who makes his ways crooked will be found out. It leads to nothing but suffering and death. And when we see the portrait, the lesson teaches itself, doesn't it? About which way you want to end up. The character of the righteous is recognized in blessing and life and remembrance, the product of wisdom learned and the blessing of God conferred. The wicked is the opposite. When we see this wonderful portrait painted of what the righteous person is like, we see a picture of Jesus. We see Jesus as the ultimate righteous man whose name was blessed by his faithful people. The blessing that was confirmed by his father who has given him the name that's above every name. Jesus, whose name above all names is remembered in blessing and is a blessing proclaimed. Usually twice every service, every Lord's Day, blessing is proclaimed in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
He's remembered. People are blessed in his name. This was all the product of the wisdom of God come in the flesh to save sinners through his blameless obedience to his father's commandments, walking in integrity um, and in the way that has led to his ascension and his exaltation and his glory. Glory now and greater glory when he comes again. This is meant to point us ahead to the man we're looking for, whose character is personally righteous and glorious. But our character doesn't just say something about ourselves. Our character is also pronounced in community. Um, And that's what the, the last four verses really teach us. Verse 10 transfers us into that thinking, reminding us that the communication of the wicked is also doing, can do damage in the community. Whoever winks an eye causes trouble. And the babbling fool comes to ruin. Right? That there are people who are secretive and hostile who are looking to work trouble in the community. And their community, their, their character is particularly seen in the effect that they have on the community. Um, chapter 10 is really turning us to prepare us for that that change to think about these characters in community. And verses 11 through 14 provide us again another two pairs given to us where we can think about the advantages that come from the mouth of the righteous and the disadvantages that come from the mouth of the wicked. Now, the mouth of the wicked we're introduced to in verses 11 and 12, and what do they do? We're first told that the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Um, the wicked seek to serve only themselves, but they recognize that really to serve their own twisted ends, they really can't let people know what their end goal is. They have to conceal the violence that they're about, lest people find out what they mean to do. Um, they conceal that violence because they want to stir up strife. That's ultimately what the wicked really want to do in the community. Uh, their, their goal is really revealed in verse 12. What, what are they really about? Hatred stirs up strife. There, there's a wicked attitude and a wicked action presented to us here that, that typifies the wicked. What do the wicked do? They just hate the community. They hate peace. And so what do they always want to do? They always want to awaken conflict. That's the character of the wicked. They're stirring up conflict all the time in the community. It's an attitude of hatred that breeds this action of always wanting to awaken conflict. Um, And once they do that, one commentator said, now stirred up and fully active, the conflict will spill over into violent clashes between the wronged and the wrongdoer. They're, They're just peace breakers. They just like to wreck things. And that's what the wicked can do just with his mouth. Um, And it's a reminder to us that this kind of attitude and this kind of action should be far from the people of God. There should be no room for hatred in how we view people in the world. Now, I know someone will say, well, what about the Psalms that talk about hating those who hate God? Well, you can only press certain Proverbs too far. right? Look before you leap. Um, but he who hesitates is lost. Which one of those is true? Both, depending. Right? But what this proverb is saying to us is hatred should be far from the people of God. 
that attitude should be far from us, and that, I, that action should be far from us. We should not be people who go around awakening conflict. We should not be people who go around stirring up strife. That should not typify the people of God. This passage says that's the business of the wicked. That's what the wicked are involved in. And if we see ourselves doing that, we should realize that we're being involved in wickedness. We should take the advice that my dad gave me when I was younger, when I was a teenager, and he said to me one day, you're acting like a jerk. And I said, I can't believe you called me a jerk. He said, I didn't call you a jerk. I said, you're acting like a jerk, and you're not a jerk, so stop it. Um, Now, I don't know how that awards you parenting points, how that sounds to you as parents. It worked for me. I didn't want to be a jerk. um, And I didn't want to act like a jerk either. And that's what this is saying to us. We may not be wicked people, but if we're going around stirring up strife, we're in the business of the wicked. And that's not what we're to do. And we're not to do it because we see what happens. What, What can you do with these kinds of wicked people? You can't reason with them. They're good only to whack with rods. That's what what the proverb says. You can't reason with them. They're only good to hit with a stick. A rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. means you can't reason with them. And what are they to the community? They're just a ticking time bomb of ruin. That's what verse 14 says to us. The mouth of a fool brings ruin near. You're just waiting for the damage that they're going to do with their loud mouths. One commentator said, one lives in fear of the awesome, destructive power of the mouth of a fool. Right? They can set a whole forest on fire with their tongues. So what is the hope for the community? Well, there's a different kind of people in the community. There isn't just the wicked spewing forth their wickedness. What also has the Lord provided for the community, the mouth of the righteous. And what is the mouth of the righteous by contrast in verse 11? It's a fountain of life. Right? You live in a desert place where water is hard to come by. What is the best kind of water? It's, it's living water. It's flowing water from a clean source, a cool source. And that's what the mouth of the, of the righteous is compared to here. It's a fountain of life. It flows out and gives life to the community. And why does it give life? Because the, the mouth of the wicked, from the mouth of the wicked flows forth hatred and stirs up strife. But what does the mouth of the righteous do? It sends forth love. And what does that love do? It smothers transgression where it finds it, right? As wicked as it is to see hatred just stirring up and awakening conflict, what is the beautiful picture of the mouth of the righteous? It's love, and it's love that covers all offenses. Here's the third time that word cover is used. The first time it was the mouths of the wicked were just covered over with violence like the water covers the sea. The second time was concealing violence so they could do it later. Here it's in that first sense again. Love covers over those transgressions like water covers the sea. That's the blessing of the righteous to the community. They're trying to cover over the sin. They're trying to cover over the sin so that it's not 
strife. And wherever the wicked are trying to make trouble, the righteous are trying to bring wisdom to bear to bring peace. That's the blessing of the righteous to the community. On the lips of him who has understanding, verse 13, wisdom is found. Wisdom is found for dealing with the folly of the wicked. Wisdom is found for diffusing that time bomb. You know, those, those nearby wicked that's mouths are always ready to bring ruin. What is, what is the hope? What is the help of a people who are living in that kind of situation? It's that the wise are laying up knowledge, verse 14. They're storing up knowledge so that when that folly is bursting forth, there's knowledge to meet it. There's knowledge to diffuse it. There's knowledge to show the truth in comparison. And here too, can't we see a glorious portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes into the world? What did the world need the most? It was that voice of the righteous that would be a fountain of life in the world. That would tell where life is found. And would be motivated by that peacemaking impulse for love to come that would cover over transgression. The love that, that came, that caused Christ to come into the world, that compelled him to be willing to come and to lay down his life for sinners. That his sacrifice might cover over our transgressions. That's the significance of what we do in the Lord's Supper. I hope the repetition of it never, never makes it common that we, we have given to us something by our Lord where he says, this is remission of all of your sins. I laid down my life to cover over it all. To provide you the wisdom that you need. That you might lay up all the knowledge that you need to diffuse the craziness of the fools of the world. I've laid up for you knowledge in my scriptures. I've covered over your transgression. This is again a wonderful picture of who we were looking for. Solomon is not just teaching how you be, how people be wise and how they are to be righteous. But he was showing us what the wise and the righteous man would do for the community. And I hope we never cease to glory at what our God has done through the love that he has for us and the love that his son showed to us that he was willing to come and to give us all things in himself. And that we might not lose sight of, that's what we are called to do for this world. To follow his example. To be peacemakers. To be those who are wise. Those who help inject wisdom and knowledge into a world that is fit just for beating with sticks at times. And that is always waiting to bring ruin near with their foolishness. God has given us a task in this world to be salt and light, to be a blessing. May God help us to do that by his grace. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his grace and mercy to us as sinners. And we thank you for your word that shows us so clearly the contrast between the wicked and the righteous. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to learn wisdom more and more, that we might 
live righteous lives before you, that our character would be seen in us personally, but also in community, that we would see be seen as a blessing. May our hearts and minds go to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was always a blessing, who always brought peace, um, who stirs us up by way of reminder to walk in the example that he has given to us. So Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that we would act righteously and blamelessly in this life, that we would exert that loving influence in the world, that we would provide wisdom and provide knowledge necessary to help those in such desperate need. And hear us and answer our prayers, not because we deserve that you should hear them, but because we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.